0: Hey guys, welcome to Across the Line. Today we've got Neil Etheridge back on the show. We asked all of you to come out and send us your questions and you guys did so in droves. And we appreciate everybody who took the time to send in their questions. Here we get an opportunity to run through a lot of them and a little bit extra. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review the show on uh, all of those mediums. And of course, follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Without further ado, here is the great Neil Eppich. We're live on Facebook over across the line. Thank you so much for joining us. As you can see from the background and from the dodgy facial hair, we are still on quarantine here in the Philippines. But we do have a treat for all of you. We've got coming all the way from Wales live. We've got big man Neil Etheridge back on the program and we're doing an Ask Him Anything show. And you guys have been nice enough to send in your questions, so we're going to get to them all um, over the course of the next hour or so. Um, how's it going, Neil?
1: Yeah, good. Obviously, it's uh, difficult times, isn't it, right now? Strange times for everyone having to stay indoors, but um, so far, so good, if I'm honest. It's, uh, it's it's strange, you know, waking up with no sort of schedule. Um, the first couple of weeks, it was nice. Um and then I think now it's starting to get to that time of I need to have some sort of plan, what's going to go, uh, what I'm going to do throughout the day. But uh, so far, so good.
0: How many weeks has it been over there in, in Wales that you guys have been on a, <clears throat> kind of a lockdown-type situation?
1: So we've, um, uh, the, the games stopped four weeks ago. Uh, and from then, we had a week that the club told us to kind of stay inside uh, but the 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 country wasn't on lockdown. Um, we, so I stayed inside kind of everything was still available we could still go out but people started to to stay indoors even at that time. Uh, the government here in the UK they decided to to put us on lockdown um, a week after that uh, and I feel that today is the third week. Um, and today there will be an announcement later on, and we believe that obviously we'll be in lockdown. Um, obviously, we don't know how long they're going to say, but we're going to assume, or I'm going to assume, it's going to be another three weeks.
0: Wow. So it's uh, day 34 for me here. How are you doing, Christopher? <laughs> Great, which? Yeah, I'm, do- How are things I'm going doing.
2: things going with okay. you? I'm, I'm doing okay. So just hanging in, really. Um, had a conversation with Neil a little bit um, two, three days ago. Just, just making sure that he's all right. And uh, yeah, like you said, the facial hair is starting to get a little bit out of control. But <laughs> uh, I think we're all in the same boat, right? Uh, Hairdressers, barbers are in short supply at the moment, so we're just going to have to make do with the, the looks we're all sporting at, at the minute. Um, uh, but no, great to have him on as a repeat guest. I know the, the yep. response has been pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite keen to um, to hear Neil's responses because we, we got a really positive response when he came on the show last time. Um, obviously, went really deep on a load of, loads of different subjects. But I think it'd be nice for some uh, some of the fans who, who maybe observed the first one, maybe had, had some questions they want answered. So uh, it'd be great to sort of pin you down for an hour or so and, and get some uh, get you to answer some of their questions, which would be nice for a little change of, change of pace.
0: You ready, Neil?
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: All right. Um, let's start off with something from the Instagram. Um, this one's from Clint Samonte. Mm-hmm. Uh, which as cosplayer are you longing to hang out with again after this pandemic is over
1: current one um, I'd have to say uh, my roommate Ian Ramsey Um, even though I've spoken to him a little bit over this period um, he's 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 tied up with his his kids a lot which is good for him you know I mean it's nice for, for certain players that I've spoken to I've tried to keep in contact with uh, as many of the boys as I can because obviously we were meant to meet up, weren't we, in, in March? Uh, and that was that fell through because of the situation that we're in. But yeah, me, um, so like I said, like, it's nice for him, he's with his family at the moment, uh, I believe, over in Thailand, and he doesn't get to see his family as often as he'd, he'd like because I think his wife and his kids are over in Australia a lot of the time. So, to answer your question, Ian,
0: Ian Ramsey. I thought that was a, a layup for Chris. Greatwich there. Just uh, you know, to me and Chris only roomed long. once.
1: <laughs> it, but was it was the most successful. Ill fated. <laughs> but it was the most successful, successful thing we have, I think we have a. Where was it?
2: It was Suzuki. Cup can you remember? Yeah, I can remember. There yeah. we go. There we go. So but it, it turned our names. Well, that's what I'm saying, Jing. It must have been that bad of an experience for me. If the team was that successful, I didn't want to room with him anymore. <laughs> I, put, I put my own personal feelings ahead of the, the betterment of the nation. So and that just shows how bad of a roommate he is. So I'm not sure if Ian would
0: have the same response. <laughs> <laughs> okay um this one's uh, i presume from somebody from the uk this is joe hammond off of instagram Uh, actually we had a few of these that came in that are asking like what's it gonna take to get a a signed pair of boots what's it gonna take to get you let them follow me on instagram you know these type of questions (laughs) we've been fielding them i I suppose we just get these out of the way uh, early on
1: Um, you know what I should do I was just talking to to, uh, to everyone obviously before we went live and I was talking about something, a project that I've got coming up uh, I won't speak about that too much now but I'm going to plan to hopefully do some giveaways um, through that period uh, so over the next couple of weeks um, but to be honest I've been quite active um, um, not so much on my social media but uh, obviously like I said strange this this uh, um, Strange times at the moment. People obviously finding it very hard in isolation, due to their their own circumstances. So last week, I myself and my missus we put out a message on on our Instagrams to basically we we greet people happy birthday. Uh, I know it's only something pretty small like that, um, but obviously a lot of younger uh, kids their their birthdays have been cancelled. Uh, their birthday parties have been cancelled. Uh, even you know adults, everyone, um, you know, just a little pick-me-up message. So I spent a lot of time last week just sending out messages to people to to stay to stay mentally positive and and everything, and try and stay healthy within their house. But going back to the original question, um, soon, soon, the, the the boot pile is stocking up in the garage at the moment, so I, I need to get rid of some.
0: All right, just, just
2: just off the just off the back of that, Jing. I think it's quite interesting that Neil brings up that that aspect of footballers because I think in the last two or three weeks, I, I don't know how well versed you are with this, Jing, but I'm I'm sure Neil's been in the thick of it. Footballers had a really bad rap in the last sort of three or four weeks. From a club perspective, a lot of the clubs have been, uh, bigger clubs have been putting their staff on furlough, which uh, I don't know if, if some of the listeners are familiar with furlough, but essentially it's where the government will um, subsidize some of their pay um, rather than the clubs having to pay for it themselves. Um, and that's, that's come with a little bit of a backlash, hasn't it, from the general public. Uh, and then conversely, I think some of the government members have come out and been like, well, you know, footballers should do their part. Footballers should be, um, uh, you know, dipping into their own pockets and trying to save the NHS, which I think is a little bit uh, misleading because I I know there's a lot of footballers uh, who do a lot of work for charity and they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and they don't make a big song and dance about it. Um, And I I think there's a lot of footballers who've had a a bad rap of late. And I think it's a real shame because I know certainly... And Neil does his part. I'm sure he's got other friends within the football industry who do the same. I don't know what your take on is. I don't want to sort of put you on a political storm here, but you know, I, I know, I know you have sort of opinions on that. And I think it's a little bit disappointing that that the government should put footballers in that awkward position of of asking them to make these types of decisions. When I, I know a lot of them contribute a, a lot of money with, with with obviously with tax, and then obviously B, they they do more than their fair share of charitable work
1: yeah for me like i don't want to go go into it too much because it's obviously a very uh touchy subject especially at the moment so yeah um i'll be careful what i say um but i mean to 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 back up the government in in, you know first first of all um it's like anything sound bites. you know you don't get the whole picture and i saw what um, the, I can't remember who it was now. I think it was a standing MP at the time because Boris Johnson had just gone into uh, uh, his own isolation because I think he just got coronavirus. And and, and it was, yeah, footballers should play, play their part. And it was a soundbite. You know, that was his answer. But no one actually heard the question. The question was actually the more important part where he was asked, um, you know, should footballers... And it was targeted at footballers. Um, yes, maybe... Uh, the response could have been better, but you know when you're put onto a spot, it's always tough to, to, to kind of, you can't just say no, I'm not going to answer that. You know, you're in front of your live in front of the nation right now. Um, yeah, but a lot of players do their part. You're right. Yeah. Um, a lot of players do their part behind the scenes throughout the year. You know, throughout the year, not just in times like this. Um, you know, uh, you you hear great stories about people helping. Uh, underprivileged kids and, and families, whether they be individuals, whether they be groups, whether it be a, um, um, a religious charity, wherever, whatever they're into. Um, yeah, football players do have a lot of power in that sense. Um, and that that's something that obviously maybe, as players, we don't understand as much. I think the older you get, I was having a conversation with a few football players during the week, um and we were saying that we, we should do more. Um, you know, it's not all about the finance. It's not all. About, and I think that's what people get wrapped up in. It, it's the it's the small messages, like Jing said before. Maybe a pair of football boots, a pair of signed gloves. Um, even you know, when you're out of we're out of isolation, going and, and saying hello to people in the shops or whatever it may be. Um, we definitely do. We do like to put smiles on people's faces um, and it, it is a massive effect. Like, like you said, Chris, uh, it's a big effect that uh, we can have over people. And, and, then the, and the response that I had to be honest was fantastic. When I was, when, well, when Alex was sending out um, the videos, the people who were asking for birthday messages or just to pick me up uh, the response that I saw, and we do see them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing mm-hmm. It's the stuff that you don't see. You know, I mean, I had the, the kids sending me messages and the family sending me messages uh, saying, oh, thank you very much. It was such, so thank you for your time and your effort. I mean, time and effort. I mean, it was like 30 seconds. You know what I mean? It wasn't a, a long winded message. Um, but, yeah, we, we do play our part. We do play our part. Um, and we try to do as much as we can, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's a really fair Fair comment that you made you know uh, you you can't play the political political game it's very difficult you know it's not your job as a footballer to do that but I think definitely there is a social obligation that you have to adhere to and and I think footballers generally do their part so fair, fair play for those guys who you know some of them obviously dips into their pockets which is which is great if you're in that financial position to do so that's that's commendable but I think a lot of the stuff that they do behind the scenes is is stuff that they don't sing and shout about but it is really impactful when their community. So you know although football is getting a bit of a at the moment, I know for a fact that a lot of these guys do their do their fair share. So fair place all the players who do that.
0: Sticking with the UK here, um, uh, this one coming from Montam twenty seven. Asking um I, I see I've seen on on um, social media quite recently that uh, they did get a bit of love, but he's asking do you feel like the contributions community is underappreciated in the UK um, during this time um, particularly now during this pandemic
1: um, you know what <clears throat> I would say, I, I would personally reverse it um, in a sense that I know that Piers Morgan came out and obviously yeah. by the sounds of it he has uh, Filipino workers in his house by sounds of it you know working for him which is great uh, for the economy here and he also talked about the nurses um, that work within the NHS. And mm-hmm. in this time, I mean, you know, we are supporting the NHS very strongly here in the UK. And he singleized, or oh, is a word, you know, singled out one kind of nation, and that was the Philippines, you know? And I, you can't take away from the other countries that work within the NHS um, as well. But it was nice to have some uh, for the Filipinos that to feel uh, really wanted, obviously, in this country. Uh, I've got a friend uh, or two who are in the NHS working and whenever we we clap for them at 8 p.m. on a, on a Thursday, he always messages me saying, thank you. Um, so it is nice. It's nice. I feel like... Um, People within the NHS are definitely getting, you know, uh, more and more appreciated for what they do. Uh, unfortunately, it's under these circumstances and probably not uh, before uh, beforehand.
0: Yeah. Well, it is good to see some shine being uh, placed on the healthcare workers, regardless of their nationality, as you yeah. said. Um, let's pivot a little bit. Let's move into um, Ask Al's questions. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's start off from the Instagram account from FCPA. And this one is, what was your toughest international game? And he is going to take a guess at it. And he's going to say Uzbekistan away. um, Because he was saying like every save needed to be a worldly. But what are your thoughts? Toughest international uh game you've had.
1: Oh, I forgot about that game. Funnily enough, <laughs> two one, <laughs> uh, no, is two one. No, was it two one? It was one one-nil. nil, wasn't it? was one nil, one nil. They scored right at the death, I think. Uh, I we thought, went didn't down. Shocky a free
2: kick or something. I thought Shocky scored a free kick that went sh- straight in or something. Was it no, no, no? Was that the home no, game? No, we talk.
1: I, I think OJ. Oh, got got we about that one that OJ got sent off really I early. Off really, really early,
2: like ten minutes in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Wow, that's got to be up there. Um, I, yeah, I did forget about that game. To be honest, uh, that's one of the. I, you know, that's one of for my highlight reel. I, I had a very good game uh, that day. Uh, was it the toughest? Or yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going China. I'm honestly going China. Um, I know we drew the game nil nil, um, but. <sighs> Uzbekistan or, or... They're very similar. Those two games are very similar. Um, I, I would still say that I think China are a better team. Uh, they seem to, to play a very quick style of football. And maybe it's because it's more recent in the memory, but it just felt like for 90 minutes, our back was against the wall, if I'm honest. Um, and we had to perform extremely well to get the result that we did. Um yeah, I'd have to go China, to be honest.
0: China and Panad.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was good. It was a very good uh, good performance, solid performance. Um, I probably didn't make as many saves, actually, you know, on a personal level. Uh, I know I made that save at the end. But as a team performance, you know, I think we were, we were solid, very, very solid um, as a team rather than maybe... Me as a goalkeeper against Uzbekistan, pulling off save after save after save. Um, I would have to say China because it was a, it was a great team performance.
0: When was the uh, away game scheduled against China? So the away game,
1: the away game. Funnily enough, was meant to be in June. Um, mm. It was meant to be in June. Obviously, we just missed the the March international dates most recently. Um, against Guam, that would have been. Um, it, it, obviously, it, Guam at home is not a formality, but you'd be very disappointed if we didn't, you know, win by a few, should I say. And then the June internationals was going to be, or oh, I believe, two away games. It was the Maldives... China, then China first and the Maldives. China and Maldives. Yeah, China wow. first away. And I think that was... Uh, that would have been a big one. You know, that would have been a big one. But luckily, we have more time to prepare now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people looking forward to that game against China. Obviously, given the result uh, with the home home uh, nil-nil result, uh, we'll be hoping to nick something over there in China. Um, next question. This one is... Uh, asking about your most iconic game so we've asked about your toughest game you said China which one is the most iconic contest for you as an Ascals player oh, you have
1: to ask Chris this one I don't know if I can answer this
2: uh, well for you most iconic for you or most iconic for me because if we start talking about games <coughs> oh, we you've go. been what, what watching, watching <laughs> me perform heroics then I'm not sure if it's your show um <laughs> I think there's there's been a there's been, some iconic, there's been some iconic games um for Neil. I mean definitely that Uzbekistan game was one of them like um I, I remember watching that game and thinking they're not going to score are they here. This is this is going to go on all night and they're not going to score. So like from an individual performance like you said highlight reel um definitely that one. Um Kind of, you know, it's funny. I would say, like, the, people talk about the Vietnam game as being like a, maybe an iconic performance, but
1: I actually can't really remember you making a save in that game. That sounds a bit harsh,
2: but...
1: Very interesting. Very interesting you say that, because I was listening to Rob's past podcast that you had him on, obviously, last week or so. And he he said that. He said, oh, I was making save after save. And I can only actually remember me making one or two saves. I can't remember me making save after save after save. Um... Mm-hmm like more recent games. Um, (laughs) On a personal level, to answer the question, Jing, I would have to say, I mean, it would probably be the Uzbekistan game, like Chris said. But uh, for me, obviously, it's always... um, It always puts a downer on it, obviously, if you don't get a result from the game, you know? So on a personal level, yes, fantastic game against Uzbekistan. But ultimately, we didn't come away for, we, from that game with a point or three points or anything. Yeah. So for me, it's like, yes, you did your job, but you did it to a certain extent. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that's probably why it doesn't have, doesn't live long in the memory for me. Um, but I guess if I was being... Um, if I was going to blow my own trumpet, yeah, probably that is really one of the best games I've had in a, in a national team jersey.
0: Would you say it's the most iconic, though, for you?
1: No, that's what I mean. Iconic? I don't think so. I don't think
0: uh, I think Chris and I'd have
1: to agree. I mean, if you're talking about, sir, it's got iconic. Wow. It Maybe iconic
2: game that you've been a part of. Maybe not iconic performance. They're two different questions. What's the question again? Sorry. Iconic. Yeah, iconic, iconic games. games. Iconic okay, games, game is. Yeah, him. I would have to say Vietnam, and that's probably going to be blanket for probably all 11 players you played in that game yeah i'd imagine maybe even singapore
1: maybe even singapore see i
2: would say singapore again was probably a game where you played really well you did make a lot of saves in that game a lot of the stuff was sort of uh, you you just put your body in the way of things and things were just bouncing off you i remember you making probably two or three saves where you just make yourself big and it just sort of from close range bounces off you I do.
1: Am I doing? For all those service? kids listening. Uh, for all those kids listening. By the way, yeah, you've got to be there to make the save, Chris. Do you know what I mean? You can't just oh like. You gosh. have to be there. You can't just like not be in goal, and then all of a sudden, oh, it just, just it just happens. Do you know what I mean? I just bounces off you. Yeah, I was there. I was positionally correct.
2: Yeah, I
1: think there was, like, there was like a thing
2: about Balotelli that like, doesn't celebrate when he scores because, he, you know, the postman doesn't celebrate when he does his job. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, like yeah, you're, that's, you're supposed to keep the ball out of the net. So what's the big deal? Um, but I would say maybe like euphor- euphoric, euphoric game. Like that was definitely up there. Like that, because again, we sort of talked about it, didn't we? Because it's such a late goal you think yourself, right, I mean, that's it, we've got an amazing result. They're not going to score in the next 20 seconds, although they did have an attempt, didn't they? Um, yeah. The, the, the Vietnam one was a bit more of a slow burner because we scored early and then we saw sort of midway through the second half. So we sort of, it was, it was like a slower realisation. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say that. I mean, I do one game that I, I always thought was a bit iconic was was that North Korea game because I, I didn't oh. really, I didn't really get to see it. um more particularly the away game, actually. No, I'm not talking about the home game. The home game was probably quite iconic um, as well. But I mean, for you, was that quite an, like a, a, an yeah. iconic game? Just because it was a different, a whole different vibe. Uh, obviously, playing kind of
1: under those circumstances as well. Yeah, I think we, we forget that, don't we? We forget that. To be fair, I don't forget it. Because whenever I speak to people and they're like, yeah, North Korea. I have been to North Korea. And they're like, you've been yeah. to North Korea. And I'll get my phone reel up and i start saying, yeah, this was me. And then they remember it got blown up into the Daily Mail and the press here uh, that I took a picture in North Korea. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a good game that day. I was in well? I was, yeah I, I had a good form. Um but yeah under the circumstances once again like it's a strange one that we forget or i forget because it wasn't in the philippines or it didn't uh, account to at that present moment in time it didn't have much value you know yeah yeah
0: these are questions by the way from i am kane olski i hope i'm saying that correctly it's a unique uh, handle that you got going there mm-hmm. on instagram he has another question asking you what would you say um, would be the turning point in your career, right? She says, or he says, that they've been a fan since uh, Vietnam in 2010, obviously been following the team. Um, Yeah, since then, what would you say was the turning point in your career?
1: Are we talking, we're talking whole career, not just national team, we're talking like Mm -hmm. everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it could be, you know, Um... playing there.
1: Uh, it's got to be my time at Walsall. It has to be. Um, you know, we've spoken about it. You know, on the previous podcast before. Um, obviously, finding my feet at Fulham, finding it tough. Obviously, being there but not being there, um, playing week in week out. And I guess you know, uh, obviously, my tough time that the season following when, once I got released was a, a very low period of my career and my, and my life, but. The turning point would have been the signing for Warsaw to 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 obviously play week in week out football.
0: Hmm. I wasn't there for that podcast. What what level were you playing at uh, with Warsaw?
1: So for the for so you know Chris obviously knows the story very well, but for people who've just tuned in or people who don't know, uh, obviously. I was at Fulham at a young age. Um, I was there for, for eight years, seven years. Uh, I got released. Just after that period, I found it really hard to find a club. I made some very questionable decisions, uh, probably chased the wrong things. And for a whole, for I think six months, I was out of a co- contract. Uh, then I went to a club called Oldham up north, uh, played one game for them. Uh, Bits and pieces happened, and I eventually signed up for Charlton uh, in the championship. I started playing for them for five or six games. I then got dropped from the team, and then I was out of contract again. So what are we now? I think it was 2015, I believe, I signed for Walsall in League One. So that was the third division here. Um, And and that was my, my... kind of platform to catapult obviously to where I am now. To so, to get games under my belt, to, to prove to people what I could do and obviously to have a management and a club that believed in me. So, you know, that period when I was there, I think I believe it was 2015, 16 season, 16, 17 season. You know, that was, that was my time to, so that kind of changed everything for me.
0: I mm. see. Um. This is from yeah the same lady. Uh, or, or man, uh, hey Nolski. Um One last question from this person. Um, said he was in Manila two years ago to watch the Philippines qualify for the Full Cover Asian Cup, uh, the, the match against Tajikistan, I'm presuming. Um, what do you think can be your contribution to cultivating young potentials to suit up for the Philippines in the future?
2: Just off the back of that, Jing, as well. Uh, just before, there's there's been a lot of questions surrounding you, uh, maybe going into coaching or what's your plan post career. So maybe we can sort of bundle that in into that question as well. Because that person asked about yeah. five questions, Jing, uh, yeah. <laughs> mil- mil- milking, it, milking it a little bit. <laughs> but then, yeah, but there was there were some other questions pertaining to you know what's what's the sort of plan? Would you be interested in going to sort of coaching thereafter? Mm-hmm. So I sort of uh, jump piggybacked on that question as well. So yeah, influencing of the youth. How do you see Fitting in 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 that particular space, and then also potentially with the with the coaching side. Is that something you're interested in doing down the road?
1: Well, where do I start? That's a big question now. Um, right now, for me, it's about um, it's about concentrating on myself, which is a selfish comment. I understand, but I believe if I can be myself and re reach. Um, the heights of what I had last season and play, people will naturally follow. You know, so that's something that I can um, can do for myself. But also, people will be more intrigued and ah, oh, you know, it was a great hype last year. You know, the first Southeast Asian, the first Filipino to play in the Premier League, and then you know, the, on the back of that. Uh, you know, people around the globe when I was traveling were taking notice of not just me, but the Azcals in the Philippines, and, and they were wanting more. And the amount of interviews that I did globally last year, making uh, people more aware of the Philippines national team. Um, you know, like I said, that kind of stuff speaks for itself. If I have success, then on the back of that, there will be um more spec- more sort of media attention around me which will hopefully get more younger Filipinos um involved and interested in football i hope that answers the- that part of the question i think it's definitely an aspirational
2: element to that isn't there neil that sort of well if someone <laughs> you know with my background of my heritage if he can if he can project himself into Playing in the Premier League, then then why can't I do it too? I definitely think there's that aspirational and inspirational element to to you wanting to strive to be better, and then you know, as a byproduct, you then inspire the next generation of people to want to do the same or emulate that. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. And I think um, it's I, I think Stefan Schrock's done a fantastic job for what he's done over there in in the Philippines. You know, with the youth and and what he's doing. Uh, obviously, you know, Chris doing a great job as well, and, and Chris's brother and, and others, you know, you can't na- name them all, uh, doing great jobs to to get people interested in football. I think it's without kind of, like I said, blowing my own trumpet, it's a different level that I'm doing it at on, on a global scale to, to attract people to the national team, you know? And, and so it's different levels of attracting people. Um, you know, ah, oh, Neil Efferidge can, can pl- is happy to play for the Philippines so, you know, what excuse do I have if I'm playing in the Bundesliga 2, La Liga 2? You know, because there's that ego part of people, oh, I'm playing uh, in, in Europe, I don't want to play for the Philippines. Well, that's for starters wrong. But then what excuse do you have if you have a championship or Premier League player playing every single game for that national team? You don't have an excuse. You know, people will look around go, well, if he's doing it, why aren't you doing it? Um, so I, for me I'm doing that part now um, going on to it um, Chris is part of the question what have I got planned for my career Chris I'm not planning to retire anytime soon hopefully <laughs> <laughs> pretty old now mate yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, I I don't know for me I'd like to play football for as long as I can you know that's uh, at the highest level I can Chris and I speak about it we actually spoke about it the other day a little bit as well Um, whether I'll finish my career in Asia is obviously unknown at the moment but I've always enjoyed the thought of potentially going over to, to Asia and play um, so, but you can't rule anything out in football and football like Chris and I'm sure everyone knows and Jing obviously you know in sport not just in football things can happen and change you know day to day week to week year to year so it's so hard to make that call but I'm keeping my options open in respect to to becoming a, a goalkeeping coach or maybe playing a part in the media um, at the moment I'm just keeping all my options open and, and just and seeing what happens at the end of my career.
0: All right. Anything you want want to add to that, Chris?
2: No, no. I think it's I think it's important that players, um, you know, don't waste the time that they've got when they sort of come in. I'm not saying he's coming to the end of his career by any stretch of the imagination, but. You know, I says when you get into your thirties, you need to start making your plans or thinking about what you might do post career. I know Neil and I have had these conversations and he probably hasn't delved too deep into some of them, but you know, we've seen him you know, dabble with other stuff, right? I mean you've done the you've done some media work. Um, you know, obviously I think that that's something that I think you'd be really good at. I think you speak very well. Um, you, you get in front of the quite confident in front of the camera. Maybe today not so much, but in general, uh, pretty good. He's got some other ideas and some projects, but I think with a lot of footballers, it's just it's just where you like you said. Where do you want to focus your attentions? You know what 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 do you? Um, where do you think your skill set best you know best like a lot, some some players utilise their experiences in football and take it to a completely different industry you know, a lot of the friends who I, who I played with you know, went into things like property development or um, you, know, um, in, you know property investment because that's they want to get away from football they, they, they've done their time and they want to do something completely different so um, no just just intrigued to see what your thoughts are because I know a lot, quite a lot of the people think that you have a lot to give back to the game and you know, I know you sort of dabbled in a little bit of coaching at your academy
1: networking um, yeah, academy
2: stuff here so, so, just interesting, what what, what your thoughts are in. Really.
1: And going into that, you know, that's another thing. I think the the people who went to the anyone goalkeeping school will probably. Uh, I'd like to think. I'd like to think they would back me up that um, it, it was a, it was a, a school academy, whatever you want to call it. But it was it was me hands on every day, and I'm not saying that other coaches aren't. I'm not taking it away. I'm just talking about me specifically here. And there is a lot. There is a lot um, that I would like to do in that department um, in the Philippines, um, and that's just brought me around to it. It's spending the time to be able to do that. You know, I don't want to spread myself too thin while I'm playing. Bearing in mind, there's a seven-hour time difference. Bearing in mind, I'd have to have someone to run it. Plus the fact I wouldn't want anyone else to run it. I want to be there. Maybe. In the future, when I retire, I can't be there every day, but I'd like to be there at least a couple of times a week to, to oversee a goalkeeping school. Ina was talking about, um, on her podcast, wasn't she? She was yeah. talking about coaching and uh, goalkeepers specifically, um, about can we get to the next level? You know, Because I think the, the goalkeeping aspect, we've been very fortunate over the last, well, I guess, 10 years, 12 years that I've been in the national team, and not just with me. We've had myself, Roland, and Michael, um, three very top-class goalkeepers. But, and obviously, Dato as well. And Dato is the one that I want to talk about more probably than the other us three, is that, but there's only one. Now, can we get more Patrick Dato's? You know, can, can we create? I, we, I believe we can. But it's it's taking that time to be able to to invest in not just the player not just in the, in, in the, in the goalkeeper, but the coaching as well. You know, it's, it's great having a badge. Everyone knows that Chris, you know, how many people have got badges around the world, but can you, um, understand the style of goalkeeper or player, uh, that is, is goalkeeping so specific, can you adapt and make them into a better goalkeeper and where do you see them or where do they visualize themselves? You know, it's all well and good saying, oh, yeah, I want to play in the Premier League. But let's be realistic. It's tough. You know, it's very tough. So can you get a, um, can, in the future, would I love to have a, a goalkeeping academy that people come to as like a, maybe an agency where I can help with my contacts and put Filipino goalkeepers out to Thailand, to Singapore, to, to other Asian countries to make not just a, a living, a career, you know, and, and that's the perception I would like, love to change in, within the Philippines. Is that this is this is not just something that I pick up a football and, and I play around and then hope for the best. This is a living. This is a career. This is everything. This is a job.
0: Wow, interesting times. I mean, for for those who are looking to get into goalkeeping, you know, I mean, I'm sure um, individuals who are. What uh, in the teenage years right now, starting to get into goalkeeping, thinking that you know if I try hard enough and I get, you know, get the proper training and if I get into a proper level, then there are individuals out there like yourself who could put me into spots or opportunities that I can explore down the road. So I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, we've been very, very lucky with the level of goalkeeping that we've had in our national team over the last ten years. It's been spectacular. You know, it's just a position that you don't really have to worry about. For us, um, mm. but yeah, the homegrown talent is where, um, at the moment, it's just Patrick Tito, as you mentioned. You know, there's a few others yeah. that have been in and around the national team as well. Um, but perhaps you know, Patrick is the, the the shining light of all the homegrown players right now, as he's over there yeah. in Thailand playing.
1: Yeah, and he's the home homegrown. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the thing. I don't want to get too much into it because it's not that sort of podcast today. But like, that's the thing: the perception of maybe football in the Philippines. I don't know, it's changed a lot and it constantly will change, is that Patrick for me is is like um, the great first model of a Filipino goalkeeper. Take me out of the equation, like completely, I don't even want to talk, like for me, brought up, he's very well educated, yes, I understand that and everything, but he, he brought up he went into the league into the Philippines. He broke into the national team. He's played national team football in front of big crowds, and maybe later in his career. Uh, he, I mean, he never had the opportunity to go to Thailand or Malaysia. We obviously in Thailand, but like other Asia, Southeast Asian, Asian countries before this, but. I would like to have a Patrick Dato, which I could potentially go and send out to another Southeast Asian country. And this is bearing in mind that I hope the Philippine league picks up uh, at the moment. It's, it's, it is where it is, let's say. And, um, I hope in years to come, but at the moment we have to realize that it's not at the level of, of, of other Southeast Asian countries. Um, and, and put them out there, put goalkeepers out there, um, to make names and make careers for themselves at earlier stage of their career. Yeah.
0: All right, I want to backtrack a little bit and ask you about um, the last of the Ask Us questions. Um, this one. Thank you, Neil, for your contribution to the Philippine football. I really look forward for the Ask Us to be part of the World Cup. We can do it, right? That's the question. This one's from Festine Chan. Your thoughts on that, Neil? What are our chances? <laughs>
1: I, I, with that, we're always slim. It's always tough. I think it's 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 not the fact that we're not good enough, or maybe at the moment we're on that borderline. But obviously, with Asia not having as many spaces to go to the World Cup, obviously they spoke about making it a sixty-four World Cup competition. I think at the moment that's been battered away, and the FIFA aren't too interested in that right now. Uh, I think. If at one stage it did go to a sixty-four team World Cup, we would have a greater chance. Uh, Chris, you mayn't be able to help me out here. We have what in Asia? Three and a half spots, I want to say.
2: No, more than that. What was it, Jing? You're you're the man for this sort of stuff. Uh, Five and a half last spots. World Cup. That's
0: World more. Cup. I
2: think it's. I think it's more because yeah. you would have had uh, Japan, Saudi Korea. Arabia,
0: Korea. Yeah,
2: those three. Saudi Arabia. And then I... I one
0: more.
2: No, I shouldn't make it. Did they?
0: There's one more no, Middle Eastern. No? Wow, we're maybe horrible. Maybe it's three and a
2: half. Yeah, maybe it's three and a half. Maybe. Four and a half. You have the, maybe the playoffs, Four yeah, and a half. Maybe, maybe playoffs, four four Yeah, and four four yeah half.
1: something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. so, yeah, so a it was then, four right? Half. Yeah. So you look at the percentages and then the size of Asia. Yeah. It's one, it, it, it's, it's not the. It, that's, the, I think, what people need to understand. It's not, we don't have the, the luxury of, of South America or, or Europe where they have 10, 12 spots, whatever they have, and, and can't take it away. Obviously, it is what it is. Um, but it's tough. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know how many Asian teams there are around the world, around, in Asia. And then you've got to narrow that down to what, four, five spots. You know, and that's including... That's basically half the world. <laughs> so it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, I mean, I hope one day, of course. I mean, that's always a dream of every player to to, to be involved in something like that. Uh, and you need a bit of a luck of the draw as well. You know, the groups and stuff. Um, we have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. I think, if anything, it'll be the back end of my career, if anything. Um... It's just because of the spots. It's just because of the spots. Um, you know, if we had maybe even three or four more spots, I, I'd say our chances are a lot higher. Um, but, you know, with the size of Asia and, you know, having four four teams that go to the World Cup, that's really, really tough.
0: Right. So I we do an I've, expanding...
1: We,
2: we, we've heard that quite a few times, haven't we, um, Jing, And just in terms of audience trying to have this as a, as a on a pedestal this this can we get to a world cup can we get to a world yeah. cup which is yeah. what, which is a yeah, yeah great it's it's a very admirable goal to try to strive for like i totally get that um but my thing is is we always sort of look at it from the wrong perspective with that it's why are we not focusing on trying to strive for having a more sustainable program that will enable us to consistently perform at the level that we're at right now, and then perhaps a little bit further beyond that. So let's say, for example, can we get systems in place whereby we're competing consistently on the regional level? And I don't just mean with the national team at Suzuki Cup, I'm talking about maybe with the U segments. So you know, focusing our attentions on that, having systems in place that enable us to have a pipeline of players that come through the system on a regular basis. And then kind of going back to what Neil was saying with people like people like Patrick, you know, maybe then we, we have consistent players that are then going and playing in some of the better leagues in Southeast Asia. And then that will have a uh, knock-on effect with regional competitions. And then maybe we start to consistently compete and I'm not talking about semi-finals because we've had five semi-finals in six years, wherever it is at, at Suzuki. I'm talking about consistently, like Thailand do, finals on a consistent basis, consistently qualifying for Asian Cups or being in and around that that qualification con- uh, conversation, you know, rather than having this lofty ambition of trying to qualify for a World Cup. I think, as you alluded to, Jing, before, if you pump enough money into it, you can probably get to a World Cup. You can mm. probably get to a World Cup. Look at North Korea. North Korea qualified for the World Cup. They got spanked and haven't pulled up any trees since. You know, that that's not really a model that's sustainable. Surely we should be looking at this from a more holistic standpoint and be looking at it like, right, can we consistently perform Southeast Asian level? Can we consistently perform at Suzuki Cup level? Can we consistently qualify for Asian Cup? And then surely if, if over a period of time when we keep knocking on that door, keep consistently qualifying for those types of ca- competitions, again... We'll, 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 hopefully in, in time, like you said, with more spots and perhaps more backing and more financial clout, the opportunities will be there for us to qualify potentially for, for a World Cup down the road. But definitely, that, that seems to be a question that we're really... Again, I mean, maybe before people were talking about that with Asian Cup, people were saying, oh, that's a ridiculous ambition for you to have. So maybe I, I need to be more of a dreamer because there, there were times when I was like, Asian Cup, that's a very far-fetched um, idea. And we qualify for that, right? Um, but yeah, I, I just think that that seems to be something that a lot of fans seem to hang their hat, hat up on. I think mm. it's just something that that's, that's that's not really tangible right now. We should be focusing our attention on other. It's things. levels.
1: It's levels, isn't it? It's levels. I mean, like you said, Chris. I mean, when Chris Knight Chris was before me, obviously, when I joined the team, and someone said to me, Asian and I was like, "You're probably on something different that we're we'll just not talk about on this show." But you know it was such a far-fetched dream wasn't it the the, the asian cup at that for that point such a I mean we wouldn't I mean without reminiscing too much we were chilling thinking wow let's let's get into the suzuki cup <laughs> you know let's let's get into the suzuki cup and then all of a sudden yeah. that happens and we were very fortunate that that first year that we kind of got into the suzuki cup you know not it probably wasn't the first ever year but the first proper time we had good success, great success. You know, we even got out of the group. You know, and then it catapulted us. And you know, without being detrimental to everyone and horrible, is that yeah, you know, we didn't get out of the group in the in the Asian Cup. You know, so maybe that's our next step. Our next yeah. step is to, to to get out of the group of, of the Asian of the Asian Cup. I mean, first of all, we got to qualify again. And this is what Chris and I were talking. I think Chris was trying to say is that would you rather? Pump a load of money in. I mean, this is a question for, I guess, Jing as a, as a uh, educated supporter, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, a fan of football. Would you prefer for us to go to one World Cup and never hear of this team again? Or would you prefer over a period of another 10, 20 years, us to to slowly climb the ladder, get to another Asian Cup, get out of the group of the Asian Cup, do a little bit better in the World Cup, but we didn't qualify for the World Cup. What would you prefer?
0: I prefer us to win a title at the under 15 level. That's that's me, under 15, <laughs> under 18, because then I know that, you know, in five years' time, those kids are going to be ready to play. And we're going to have a consistent yeah. stream of, of, of quality that's going to be, you know, pushing us to that level or pushing us towards that goal rather than, you know, um, looking for the easy solutions and finding ways that um, – I don't know how to how how to find our way into one world cup and never do it again that would be a nightmare honestly yeah. for me yeah that would be difficult to fathom because you already know what's going to happen you're going to make it to the world cup one time and you're going to get smacked because that's what happens to to teams that make it to the world cup for the first time it's the whole. It's not just the games. It's not just the quality. It's the whole experience, the whole logistics, and everything behind going to a World Cup. You're gonna be so in such, you know, foreign territory that it's gonna affect how you guys perform for sure. You're gonna need a few of those in order to be to even start winning games. You know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah. So I'd I'd like to see. Um, Progress is what I'd like to see. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. A, a progression over a period of time, and I think at the moment that's what we're we're slowly doing. I, I I think you both would agree that it's probably more is needed in the younger age groups. You know, I think both of you two in that department would agree that it's uh, that is that needs to be focused on more. Uh, I mean, I only just came to my mind right now. Germany, who were probably world champions or the best in the world for such a period of time, they had age group after age group after age group after age group, battering everyone. And their first team just became stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And in fairness, England have just started to do that. It's taken us a long time. I think, you know, England have got to many, many semifinals of World Cups at under-23s, under-18s level. And now we're starting to see the benefit of them getting into the first team reaching semi-finals of World Cups, it takes time. And and that's the, you know, I think we've all agreed that it's going to take time um, for for something to happen.
0: So here's an interesting question. This one coming from Kyle. There have been reports quite recently of individuals of foreign nationality that are being pushed towards naturalization. Um, this is a, a conversation that Chris and I have had on a previous podcast, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on the concept of naturalization, of individuals like Benvenido Marañón, Robert lopez Mendi, who have lived here in the country for an extended period of time and are clearly you know, um, exceptional footballers. Well, what do you think about that idea?
1: Um, for starters, what has always put us separate from other Southeast Asian nations is that we've never naturalised the player. And it's always been blood. It's always been um, a Filipino-born mother, father, mother and father, whatever it is. I think to change it now would be... Um, it leads a little bit into the previous question. It leads a little bit into it, the, the success. you why are we so desperate? I don't know these guys obviously, and it's not a disrespect to the guys that we, you, you said and you're talking about. It's more the fact that we've never done it. Why do we want to do it? Does it help us now? Or does it help us in many, many years I just don't see it, you know, I don't see it helping us because I believe we have a pool of players that are good enough to represent the national team. Um, I I spoke to Chris the other day about our performance against Syria. Uh, We obviously came away with a 1-0 defeat in Dubai. And I can honestly say that's one of the best... I I did say it to you, didn't I, Chris? Or did I say it to... I I say it was one of the best performances that I have seen a national team play. And I've been a part of the team for now, you know, 12 years. You know, we didn't win the game. We didn't draw the game. And we were very, very um, unlucky to not get anything from that game because I believe we dominated. Our shape was good. We played good football. And unfortunately, in football, you don't get what you deserve. And we switched off for one set play and they went on to score it. And that's a little bit of naivety. It's a little bit of inexperience, whatever it was. But I don't know. I don't see that we need to add, you know, a, a naturalized player right now. I believe there's enough talent, whether it be in the Philippines, whether it be a, around the world. I believe there's enough talent. We don't need to do it.
0: All right. There you go. That's Neil Etheridge's stance <laughs> on naturalization. <Yeah>. Um <laughs> Here's some quick ones. Um, toughest player you've played against? Uh, this is going to be completely out of left field from what we're speaking of. But toughest player you've played against in the Premier League?
1: Um, it would probably be, have to be Eden Hazard. Um, when he turns it on, it's like, ah, uh, wow. Me and Chris have had got, it, it, like so many. The big, the big boys. The big names that you can all think of are absolutely phenomenal. From Marcus Rashford to Hazard to Giroud to Pogba, to they're all fantastic. I mean, the one standout who I played against last season was probably Hazard when he when he turned it on. You couldn't stop him, even if you wanted to.
0: Mm. Wow. <laughs> um, second, this one is your highest and lowest point as an Ascar.
1: Um, I think my lowest, I'll start with my lowest. My lowest was tough because obviously there was a period of time where I wasn't called up for the national team. Um, there was a period where I was sitting on the bench. I think it was Challenge Cup, Chris. In It was Challenge Cup in the Philippines. Is that right? Would it have been a Challenge Cup in the Philippines? Yeah, Challenge Cup in the Philippines. I remember staying at Century Hotel, I believe. Yeah, Century Hotel. And I didn't play one game uh that was extremely tough really really tough for me because I was I, I I had we had Pascal Zubabula who I'm friends with and he was my goalkeeping coach uh he didn't make the decision the coach made the decision who was going to play but he said to me he pulled me before the competition and said you're probably not going to get a chance to play but I want you to be this 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 um this figure of positivity and I believe that competition I was very positive I, I encouraged um Everyone. And at the end of the competition, I was just physically and mentally drained from, from giving others my positive mentality. That was tough. I think another one we spoke about, uh, I can't remember what podcast it was, uh, was the Maldives. The Maldives. When Challenge Cup again in the Maldives, when um, I got injured in the first game, and I think we got to the semi-final, Is that right? Against the Maldives. We walked out. I think I was with Chris. Final, uh, final. It was the final. the final. And I just broke down. Just broke down into kind of like tears that it was mentally just draining. Once again, being there, not being able to train this time because I was injured. Having, the, be, wanting to be a part of the team so much. But knowing I couldn't do anything, um, yeah, the two probably lowest, the two lowest would probably be the Maldives Challenge Cup and um, the Challenge Cup in the Philippines. The highest (laughs) uh, will never leave me, and that will be Chris's goal against Singapore. (laughs) So I'm there
2: for everything. I'm there for everything. The lowest moments. (laughs) I'm there. You know what's really interesting about that one, Jing, and anyone who's listening, was um, I can remember the Challenge Cup qualifier one. It was um, it was a bit of an obscure, obscure sort of period for us. Um, Roland had been playing really well, indeed. Um, I remember I remember playing in the game against Turkmenistan, and with the, the game that we had to we had to win, which we did, which we eventually won. And that was probably the best team I'd ever I'd ever suited up with. I thought the the eleven that we had on the pitch that day was just like phenomenal. Best best team of players I played. It was maybe Patinho's first one, right? That was Patino's first competition. And yeah. um, and then uh, and then always I always have to think back, I was like, Oh yeah, but Neil Neil wouldn't start in that game. And then the challenge cup one was really difficult. Like I think we talked about it before. It was quite an emotional tournament in just in its in its entirety. It was pretty bad, and um, I can always remember walking out in the stadium right before kickoff. Sorry, no, it wasn't right before kickoff. It was right before the team meeting. Sorry, at, at the stadium before we get changed. And then uh, cause I remember seeing Neil was getting a bit like sort of blubbery is that, is that the right word but, you know sort of teary eyed and I was like <laughs> funny hell like this is quite a surreal you think you've been quite you played the part again you played the part quite well in that competition of just trying to be positive for everyone and then all of a sudden the, the sort of the realisation dawned on you hadn't it that it was like oh gee I'm not going to get to play now and you, and you expend all that energy trying to be positive around the camp and then it's like well actually I'm going to play absolutely zero part in this competition it's it's it is quite taxing, and these are the sort of things that I think people don't um, don't realise. Um, I, I remember I remember that camp because he we obviously nearly died, which has been well talked about on the boat. Um, got injured, didn't play in the competition, got released without being informed in the camp. You know, it's there was a lot of things in that in that short I say short period of time. It was one of the longest tournaments we'd ever been, been a part of. But yeah, it, it, it sounds like our poor footballers sitting in the Maldives. You know, an <laughs> idyllic island in the world, but it, I remember it was—it was a pretty taxing, taxing moment for him, and that will always—that will always stay with me as well. The fact that he was, uh, you know, he was so so despondent in that in that moment and uh, sort of helpless in that situation. So yeah, as it's, it's, it's nice as it was to be part of his most memorable moments, it was also quite yeah difficult to be a part of those uh, those sadder times as well.
0: It's interesting, those moments that you had to endure during that time, does that does that help you when things get rocky in your club career, for example, or other aspects of your, your life as well?
1: Yeah, it does. It puts everything into perspective. What is there can be taken away in a very short period of time. I know people talk a lot about injury and they talk about having one thing one moment and then being injured and it's taken away. I guess in that Maldives... Um, scenario that we we went through it was all at once being injured in the first game um you know not being a part of it the team having success that's tough you know but now obviously moving forward it's it's and as i'm getting older it's a part of football it doesn't make it any easier it doesn't make it any easier but it it, it, it you have to learn from it you have to come back stronger you have to really um you know, it's a, it, you know, football is not just one of those things where you can just go out on a pitch and, and perform. It's a me- it's mentally very, very taxing sport. Yeah, well, I think all sports are all sports are um, at an elite level. But, um, you know, bringing it to football, it, it's the mental side of the game as long as well as the physical, which can be, you know, physically and mentally draining.
0: There's been a few questions that have been thrown in here um, asking about your situation with Cardiff. Um, Obviously, we're in the Premier League last year, unfortunate to be relegated and now playing in the championship. Um, There's also been sort of um, uh, a change in the number of appearances that you've had uh, for the club as well. How has that been for you, Um, obviously playing, experiencing the highest of the high, playing week in, week out in the Premier League, obviously going through the the disappointment of getting relegated and now sort of having to fight for your spot. How has that been for you um, as an experience? Yeah, once again,
1: it's a new experience, you know. I mean, you know, I've been very fortunate to play week in, week out for the last four or five years and being number one at the club for four or five years at different clubs, Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's the manager's decision. Got nothing to do with me. I I just do my best. And if I'm chosen, I'm chosen. If not, then I need to obviously uh, push and help uh, the guy who's playing. And um, for me, you know, Alex Smithies was brought into the club um, the the season before last, um, at the start of our Premier League season. And, you know... He was brought in for a fee and I guess, you know, he had to sit a whole season on the bench uh, in the Premier League and I'm sure that he was itching to play, you know. That's what he came to the club for. And uh, I've spoken about it many, many times and even, you know, myself and Alex have a great relationship and we're both very similar characters. Uh, Once you get that shirt, don't let go of it, you know, because the next person is there ready to, to, to take it and keep it. Um, so, I'm in a different situation at the moment, obviously. Um, and I'm there to support um, Alex, who plays. And, you know, he was there for me last season and I, I can only do the same for him this season.
0: Hmm. I, I'm sure a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around that kind of dyna- dynamic, you know? You guys are competitors for, for a particular shit, but you're also supporting one another. As you guys are uniquely attuned to the experience of having to sit on the bench and having an opportunity to play, it's it's an interesting dynamic that um, I'm sure not a lot of people can relate to.
1: Yeah, I've been very fortunate to be able to work with with, with him. Um, like I said, you know, he was in a very similar situation. He was he came from QPR. He was at Huddersfield before that. And he was the number one for even a longer period of time at those clubs. And obviously when he came to Cardiff, he had to sit on the bench for for the probably the biggest season for a long time in the Premier League. And um, he was always there to support me. And... It's nice to have that friendship with with your with your competitor, but also with a friend as a goalkeeper. You know, working closely together every day. Um, you don't want any hostility in the camp because obviously it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. Um, so you know, it's my turn now for him to play and, and for me to support him and for, for me to to help him through experiences that I went through last year. And um, we worked together really well in the sense that, that he'll ask me, do you think I could have done anything for this goal or do you think I could have done anything here? And I'll give him my opinion and he'll listen to me. Uh, and I was doing the same with him last year. You know, obviously, it was a new experience for me at the top level. And I was asking him, you know, he's more experienced, uh, played more games and said, you know, uh, I was asking for his advice and he's doing the same for me this time.
0: Would you say he's your best mate in uh, Cardiff?
1: um no i wouldn't because he is very very he's very very close to another player of ours danny ward um they are best men at each other's weddings so they are very very close um he's a very, he's a very good friend of mine and i've been lucky very lucky actually to work in a group of goalkeepers over my career that i've i've become very close with um even at Walsall, um, I had a number two who was very, very competitive, but was a very good, uh, a good friend of mine. Now, um, he's not my closest friend at the club, but he's obviously a very close friend, and, and we help each other whenever, whenever we need it.
0: Who is your closest friend at Cardiff? This is a a, a a question, actually, from D Cardiff Twelve, who I presume is a a big supporter of the club. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Morrison. Sean Morrison would probably be my closest
1: friend. He's been the captain uh, since the day I walked in the door. He always made me feel very welcome. Um, him and his fiance, um, you know, were very welcoming when we joined. Obviously, we've been in the club for two and a half years now. Um, you know, from season to season, from six months to six months, the, the club chops and changes. Uh,
0: but me and Moz have always had a,
1: a good relationship.
0: Then, of course, there are questions regarding uh, your future with Cardiff. Um, can you speak anything about that? I mean, what, what are, what are your, your immediate priorities with the club? And um, there are actually even questions asking if you are looking around for other clubs who might be interested in you. Obviously, that's a bit of a subject. <laughs> At the moment I'm looking so go- back to getting to football <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that's the main thing I think you know my situation is what it is at the moment when we go back to football eventually let's hope we've got nine games left um Chris will vouch for this that the you know I'll always be competitive in training so you know my job is to, to try and get that number one shirt back to prove to the manager that I can um, that I can push movies and push him and um you know, like I said, Alex is a great goalkeeper as well. And um, at the moment, it's very unsettling times. We don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't, there's, no, there's no dates of when this season is going to start. Uh, there's no dates of when there's going to be an off season. There's no dates of um, when the next season will start. So at the moment, um, for me, it's just about keeping fit inside my house. Uh, and when we get back to football, it'll be about me, you know, pushing to try and get the number one shirt back. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Just off the back of that,
2: I, I know um, one of the things we discussed that I, I found really interesting that I think a lot of the listeners and the people tuning in will be intrigued to find out a little bit about is what does the day-to-day uh, training regimen look for someone like yourself at this particular moment in time? Uh, obviously, we see some things on social media of, of other clubs and other teams doing these sort of Zoom workouts, these Zoom sessions. We've seen Tottenham try to break the curfew and, and seeing some of their players running out in parks and stuff. So what, what, what does a sort of daily routine look like for, for you at the moment in terms of your training regimen?
1: Uh, I'm doing a lot of bike work. Uh, I was very fortunate just before, uh, just before this whole lockdown, uh, I was able to get a gym in my house, fully working, fully equipped gym. Um, uh, I was my plan for ages and ages and ages, and I never got around to it. Uh, I guess push came to shove and I kind of thought, well, I need to do it now. Um, I was very fortunate to get all that equipment in just before full lockdown. Um, so yeah, I'm working out most days. Um, at the start of this, obviously we thought we didn't know how long it was going to be. So it was every, every, every day. Um, we've got a, a, a date that they think will be back in on the 16th of May. Um, so I've tapered it down a little bit now, you know, because if you, you you're just going to burn yourself out if I work out every day, but I'm doing a lot of, a lot of bike work. As Chris knows, I'm not very good at running. So running is is a struggle for me. <laughs> um, but no, I'm trying. at the moment I've done, I've done a few 5k runs, which have been absolute hell on earth. Uh, what sort of times you do it in two and a half weeks uh, (laughs) just towing a truck mate towing a (laughs) truck towing a truck mate yeah yeah. the the body weight on ankle weights running running on quicksand mate that's what it's like Uh, so yeah I've been doing a little bit of running and uh, but not a lot I've done a a bit of pieces bits and pieces in the back garden just a little bit of ball work um, quick feet and stuff Uh, I've been trying to do a minimum of 15 miles on a bike, so what's that, about 20k on a bike a day. Um, And then, you know, doing a bit of weights, a bit of core, Pilates, a little bit of yoga, just kind of mixing it up every single day. Um, The closer we get get to that 16th of May date, I'll probably have to ramp it up a little bit. I'll have to go to a field... um, and uh, and probably do some running, some long, a bit of longer stuff, a bit of shorter stuff. But I'm quite fortunate where I am, you know. I think that's the the difference. I've got a, I've got like a field which is about a two minute walk uh, it, within my village. Uh, the gardens are a, a, a nice size for me to go and do some football stuff, which is great. Um, so I'm f- I'm pretty well equipped of, of what I've got. Um, But yeah, at the moment it's just keeping fit, you know, keeping the body fat off. um, Because we have to bear in mind, you know, as soon as we go back, we've probably got, you know, they plan a two-three week pre-season, and and then it's kind of finishing the season off. So, do you do
2: anything in terms of like sort of ball work or like handling stuff? Like, is there anything that you do to try and keep yourself sharp in that respect, or not really?
1: It's really, really uh, uh, tough for for goalkeepers. Funnily enough, I was talking to the Portsmouth goalkeeper yesterday, um, and we were—he was talking to his goalkeeping coach, and he was saying that the hardest part about being a goalkeeper is doesn't matter how many weights you do, doesn't matter how much running you can do, or whatever, whatever it is, quick feet, blah blah. blah you'll never be able to replicate um, a ball being fired at you from someone else. Uh, obviously, hitting the ground, getting back up, um, but that's similar to any preseason. I mean, you know, that's the thing with players like you said. You know, when you go back to normal, I guess you can go and play in a five-zero, you know, or seven-a-side football, and you get all that going. As a goalkeeper, it's very difficult to to kind of that off-season is basically not getting overweight, keeping yourself fit, but then when you go back into preseason, you've then got to adjust your body to hitting the deck, you know, I mean, you know, I'm 90 kg, you know, and I haven't hit the floor apart from if I'm, if I'm going to bed, do you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the same and you need to obviously adjust your body very quickly once you go back.
2: Is, it, is Alex no good at sort of pumping, pump, pump any balls at you? Like, is Horrific,
1: get... mate. Is Horrific. It? We did a little get... bit of ball work. We did a little bit of ball work the <laughs> other day, honestly. Yeah. And I was like, right, just throw the ball up. Just and I'll just come up and take it like a bit of a cross. Yeah. And she's there. And like the throws are, you know, horrific. One of them oh, goes really? into the stream. One of them yeah. is like down by my feet. Mm. Like I'm struggling, mate. I'm struggling to get a partner to, to 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 do that for me.
2: What about the dogs? Are the dogs capable, more handy with that sort of stuff, or could they get a couple of <laughs> <Mate>, shots in?
1: <laughs> what do you think that dog is look at him? He's he's useless. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Yeah. hes just just staring out into the window, like okay. the world's passing him by.
2: All right, all right, no problem. We'll just have to make do with that one. Sorry, 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 Alex. To pick on you a little bit here, but
0: <laughs> quick hello to some folks who are tuned in: uh, Ina Palacios, goalkeeper like yourself. Neil is tuned in. Jorge Kuriyama is tuned in, all the way from Japan. Uh, Coach Jorge um, Oj Porteria yes? tuned in to the show as well. So, hey guys, hello. OJ,
1: the TikTok master.
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, here, this is a, a pretty interesting one. There's actually a few of these that, that, that threw in a question like this. Um, did you get any uh, offers from Premier League clubs uh, this season?
1: This season?
0: I think to be fair, you know,
1: I don't want to, to, to go on to the subject too much, but I think uh, it, um Things were documented and and the press can say what they want. The media are able to say what they want. And I'll keep, a, you know, I, I will keep tight lips on, on, on that situation. But, um, you know, the media, the media seems to get things um, well, not even right sometimes. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. But they, they're able to say what they want. And I'll leave it at that. Mm.
0: Um, this one's about Phil Young Husband. <laughs> Would you like to see Phil suit up for the Ascals again? Since from Keevan.
1: Um, Good friends with Phil. Um, Planning to catch up with him this weekend. Um, Would I want to see him suit up for the national team? I don't think he'd want to, if I'm honest. I mean, would I Mm. want to? Yes, in his prime. Um, But I think with Phil, he's he's opened a new chapter. He started a new chapter of his life. And I'm very happy for him, but I don't think um, I don't think he would want to, to be honest. Right now, you know, I think you know what he's done for the country and and football in the country is phenomenal, and he he deserves everything and more for what he did. Um, but I think we'll just leave it at that. I think Chris will probably agree as well. Yeah, you know, that time's to, over, guys. What he's done.
2: Yeah, that time's over. You got you got to, you got to let, let that one go. <laughs> Leave, leave him be at times that time's been and gone
0: <laughs> um yeah all right uh, this one if you had a son if you were to have a son would you train him to be a keeper or a field player <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting because obviously we don't really get into the topic
1: of me having i don't have kids but i listen to obviously your guys podcasts with other players about uh, what them you know doing loads of stuff, and I always call Chris after a podcast once I've hit heard it, and I always speak to him about it. And uh, I think Chris hit the nail on the head with many many occasions. And um, I would I wouldn't push him to be anything any any sort of uh, I think it's for them to find their own their own their own roots. You know, I mean, I wasn't pushed to become a football player. Uh, I wasn't pushed to be a goalkeeper. Uh, my parents were very, very supportive of what I chose to do. Um, of course, I'd, I, I want my 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 son to to play football. I wouldn't push him to become a professional because I know the ups and downs that it it, it can have on people, and um, and it's not easy. Uh, if they're good enough to make it in the pro game, fantastic. Um, if not, and they want to do something else, I wouldn't be disappointed whatsoever. Mm.
2: That will all change it when he has a kid. I'm telling you, he's going to be bullying that kid to play football.
1: <laughs> I'll be the one on the grass with him. Come on, <laughs> come on. Get up, get up. <laughs>
2: Don't mind about my service. <laughs> no, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I've, I, Neil's, Neil's been trying to, I think, live vicariously again through my kid because he's been sending him goalie gloves and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah it's quite interesting like even during this lockdown like a a lot of our kids obviously each day they get a daily workout that we give to our kids academy kids and um you know they take part in it but my wife has been a little bit like why don't you just see this as a time where you can just have a break from football he probably plays like three or four times a week and not because i really want him to it's actually too much but because he ends up coming to training and he ends up being with us but yeah, I mean, like we we try as much to do other stuff like play basketball or play tennis or, you know, because I think like, like Neil says, it's really important that these kids get a, a, a sort of a well-rounded um, experience in a sporting sense. And invariably, you'll, you'll find what, what you like to do as long as it's just not, you know, on the iPad or... Playing computer games all day long. I think most active kids will will find find a, an opportunity to, to, to play a, a, a sport and, and whatever they they enjoy. We should we should encourage them to do that. I know Neil was a, was supposedly the next Roger Federer back in the day. He keeps telling me he was good at tennis. Really, decent backhand,
1: mate. Decent backhand.
2: <laughs> I honestly can't see it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> no way. No way. He keeps telling me he was this big surfing powerhouse. Um but yeah we haven't got to get out of court, but maybe one
1: day we'll get the chance.
0: Isn't there Jing, a lot of running did, uh,
1: involved? No, no. The, the short ones, okay. It's the long ones I can't do. The long running <laughs> <I can't do. laughs> Jing, did did Chris tell you about um his fantastic his son having a pair of fantastic goalkeeping gloves and then how many times oh. he had to how disappointed, how disappointed he was when Nico went up to him and goes, I wanna be a goalkeeper.
0: <laughs> oh, he definitely shared that story. And Diplo apparently was engulfed for a lot of the next few sessions that he was a part of.
1: Yeah, he was very still going. I heard it's still going. (laughs)
0: You've lit a fire,
1: Chris. You just just need to keep on keep the uh, my highlight reel just viewing on your television.
2: Oh, trust me, that, that YouTube search has been deleted many occasions. <laughs> he still keeps managing to find uh, Uncle Neil's uh, highlight. It's on, group, that, it's, on that, so.
1: it's on that parental control, parental control. Neil Etheridge, not allowed to
2: She's uh, <laughs> got to get it off. I've got to get it off. <laughs> Yeah, it keeps it keeps resurfacing. I think I think you keep uploading it. I keep trying to report it to I'm YouTube, but you keep you keep loading it up again. i no, something different. Yeah. I want to get to these what's questions next, from, what's next, Come on, let's bang them out.
0: Ja, ja. Um, uh, Sikia uh, this one's from Matteo, who I'm presuming is her son. Um, what's your favorite football movie? That's her first movie. question, and her second question is, how does it feel? Saving a shot from a legend. Not sure which legend he's speaking of, but uh, maybe you can answer the first one first and let the other one brew. Favorite football, football movie? Football movie? Uh, mean Machine. Mean Machine.
1: Mean Machine. Yeah, you know which was first? Mean Machine or Long Longest Yard? You know, both of those were, were remakes, right? Yeah, they're both remakes of another thing. Yeah. but yeah. yeah, but yeah. So that's my first one. Uh, what's yeah. it like saving a shot from a legend? I don't know what people would classify as a legend. Obviously, it's always great to, to make a save. Um, I don't know how many legends, legends I've probably played against, to be honest. I mean, you know, you've got the, the current legends. Um, you know, I've never played against Messi or Ronaldo or anyone like that who will go down as a legend. Or I haven't played against Beckham, people like that. Um So I can't really think off the top of my head, but, you know, it's always great making a save. And um, um, I'm sure I will look back in my career and then, you know, have my highlight reel out again and then I'll be reminiscing in many years to come.
0: I see. Um, This one's from Coach Noel. Noel Marcaida is actually tuned in, um, asking about if it would be possible or if it's something that you would consider in the future to be, uh a part of the pffs goalkeeping development um you know like developing young local goalkeeping talent and stuff like that in the country
1: yeah most definitely uh and and this is you know going back to you know many when we spoke about it before it's something that i'm keeping my options open on what what um what i do after my career i'd love to take that sort of role it would be fantastic it's um for starters, you know, the question is, would the PFF take me? Uh, and it's not a, a straight, yet you know, uh, solid answer. Well, they will want me to. Um, it, it's it's also, you know, for me, if I go into anything, and this is no disrespect to the PFF or anyone or anything like that, It's if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly. And it needs to be funded properly and it needs to, to be done and I need to be able to do research and bring people in uh, that I believe are capable of doing the job. So, no, I wouldn't rule it out whatsoever. But obviously, for me, it would, would have to be done. Um, I've always thought about it. You know, I've thought about, you know, even being uh, ho- hopefully one day national team coach, goalkeeping coach as well. So, uh, no, I wouldn't rule it out. And I'd be very interested to, to kind of take that role if if appointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, like, like, you know, anything, um, I'm not just going to take the role to, for the sake of taking the role I want to take the role to, to be successful and talk and, and do what we spoke about earlier in the podcast uh, and make it successful
0: right there's a question here that if you did not play as a footballer what what sport would you play in and I'm presuming that was tennis is that correct
1: yeah I or probably wouldn't have sport? made it as a, I, it would have been tennis it would have been tennis I don't think I would have made pro at tennis I think tennis is extremely hard it have uh-huh. got to have self-funding uh, you've got to travel around the world many of people that I played against when I was younger never made it um, so if it was a sport it would be tennis
0: alright this one let's say in a vacuum right you're not associated with any club whatsoever the only question is would you play back up in the Premier League or first choice in the championship first choice in the championship uh
1: Ooh. so many art questions on that question um you know what he's thinking getting it how much money am i gonna get that's what he's really thinking
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's the contract like that's what he's thinking oh my
1: gosh he's, he's on his phone to his agent right now he's just plugged himself in what's the cash there's many a things you need to take into consideration i think there's many a things the, the simple answer is yes. I would like to to play week in week out in the championship. That's that's you know that would be. But then, if you want to flip it and and potentially be a not a second string but a competitor to a, maybe a top six Premier League team who who play in the Champions League. Um, oh, do you know what I mean? That that kind of mixes it up even more so because to have you know a Champions League potential playing in the Champions League um potential champions league medal, you know, all those things. Um yeah, there's many questions upon that question which which fine lines. Mm.
2: <laughs> so I that one big time. But that's a yeah. difficult question that one.
0: Good good dodge, good dodge. Um Francis V, this one's a new one. Um how many more years do you think you have playing elite level football? And which club would you want to be in when you feel as if you're ready to hang up your gloves? Um, oh, I'm 30
1: now. I'd like to, to play as long as I can. I think hopefully, you know, God willing, and um, my body can, can cope. I think I can go to about 40. Uh Whether I can play elite, elite level at 40, I don't know. Uh Obviously, it's slightly easier or whatever you want to call it for a goalkeeper not having to run around is different you can you can uh, adjust your position through age and through experience um, people would probably like me to just say here like man united liverpool chelsea I, i've always said you know towards the back end of my career i'd like to come to asia and um, experience something new hopefully have a family by then um, you know alex who will be my wife just to come forward and Uh, experience something new, experience something different and hopefully kick on a different part of my life once my career is finished. So I don't know. I I couldn't tell you a top, top, top uh, Asian team right now.
0: That's the thing. There is a question here asking who do you think should step in as number one of the Philippines when you're done playing. But if you're going to be finished 10 years from now, I mean who is who is that? I mean who, who, who could you even pinpoint as your potential replacement as number one in, in the Philippine team, right? I mean, it's a difficult one to, to answer. But if you were to choose to say a successor uh, to to take the role in between the sticks for the ascal, is there one younger goalkeeper that perhaps you're looking at and saying, yeah, that could be he could be potential? I think if Coach Noel is still watching, he's probably got a better idea than
1: I have. I mean, I'm not planning to hang up my boots for another 10 years. But no, I mean, um, you know, Alex, my fiance, soon to be my wife, will, will not be happy that I'm playing international football for the next 10 years. But that's what so... I've said I'm going to do. Because um, uh, I want success for for, for the national team. Um, it's, you know, I know I'm going floating a little bit off topic, but it's tough for a goalkeeper travels with the national team because you... You know, I'm very, very close with Michael, false guard. And it's tough for him. You know, going away from his family, knowing that he's not going to play, he might play this game, he's probably not going to play the qualifier. It's really tough. And, and you've got to stick with it. Um, in 10 years' time, 8 years' time, I don't know. Um, Michael's a very similar age to me. Uh, Patrick, at the moment, is, is, is not that much younger than me. Um, so, uh, yeah, right now, I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't know. I mean they'd have to be 16 probably years old right now. uh, And many things can change from now until, until they get older and hopefully play the pro game.
0: All right, man, um, we've taken up almost two hours of your time. Appreciate it so much uh, that you've sat through with us and, and gone through all the questions. Um, Thank you to everybody who sent in their questions. I hope you we've, we've gone through most of them, if not all Um, some of them perhaps answered in, uh, in some of the longer um, um, answers um, that Neil had. Um, so, if you didn't have your name mentioned, I apologize for that. But we do appreciate each and every one uh, that took the time to to come in, join us on the stream, and to to post their comment on our social media and all that. Um, how was it for you, Neil? Yeah, good. Always great catching up. Obviously, my first
1: one of Jing. Uh, it's always good catching up with Chris. Yeah Uh, um just want to say you guys are doing a fantastic job um with what you guys are doing obviously listening to new players old players and um i think i speak for everyone who listens they're all fantastic podcasts and they've really done very well Uh, and i think a lot of people listen and wait i know that i'm always waiting for the next one to come out
2: yeah thanks for that mate like i appreciate you coming on like you said i think uh our compatriot uh Sudelph tupass mentioned that you are the first returning guest on the show so uh we appreciate you coming on and taking the time out during a lockdown to to uh answer some of the questions of, of uh, your adoring fans so uh yeah thanks a lot for that we really appreciate you coming on and uh and uh, speaking to to everyone it's, it's it's much appreciated and again giving us great insight into what it's like for for you as a goalkeeper during this lockdown period it's uh it's been uh it's been brilliant really good to speak to you again all
0: right guys if you enjoyed this episode uh please do subscribe to our youtube our um spotify and on apple Podcasts. don't forget to rate and review the shows and of course make sure to follow us on social media over on facebook on uh, twitter and on instagram for everybody who sent in messages and comments thank you guys so much uh neil Etheridge, everybody thank you so much for your time